Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 500. Locked on Flames has reached 500 episodes, and I wouldn't be here without you and your support. And we're going to talk all about the most jaw-dropping moments in Locked on Flames history today on Locked on Flames. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's very special episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Yes, you heard that right. Today's episode 500. I am just simply blown away that, uh, number one, I haven't been fired yet. And number two, that I have just been around for (laughs) so long to have built this episode, this show up, and to really take it from what Kristen Anderson had done for uh, for a while, a little while with the show, and then to now we're sitting here 503 years later, almost three years to the date, and it is so special to me because this show came into my life at a very important time, and I kind of wanted to touch upon that in my thank yous today. Nick will be joining me in just a little bit here, but I do want to just talk about kind of how I started hosting and when and why why this 500 500th episode means so much to me um so let's rewind back to january 2020 i had just moved to new york i was in the middle of upstate new york with no real connections outside of my small circle of my boyfriend and his parents and I was so excited to just, you know, start this new chapter of my life. And my dad had gotten sick like less than a week after I'd moved here and um, he ended up passing away. And my promise to him was, I will always keep writing. I will always keep covering sports because he was so proud of me for chasing this dream and just doing this. And our relationship revolved largely around sports. And, you know, to be here three years later and still hosting the show is uh, something I think that he would be very proud of. (laughs) Um, I have been so blessed to get on here every day and talk to myself or another guest and share my opinions, my um, sometimes not so well formulated stat takes. And, you know, one simple tweet changed my life. And that might seem dramatic, but I was sitting in my boyfriend's childhood bedroom one night. We were He was playing video games. I was watching Hawaii Five-0. And I just remember tweeting, you know, someday I'd love to host a show on the Locked On NHL channel or something like that. And a little while later, I got a message from Sean, who was really encouraging and said, hey, like, I thought about you uh, if there were ever 
openings down the road, but we have an opening at Locked on Flames or the Blue Jackets. Like, what what are you, you know, really interested in? And I thought to myself, I was like, I, I love the Flames jerseys, and I don't want to cover a team that John Tortorella is coaching. <laughs> so I obviously jumped on the Flames, and it's just so incredible to think about everything that I've covered in that time span. And we're going to talk about that next with Nick, but this is a testament to anyone who is kind of looking for that push out of their comfort zone or a sign to kind of, you know, do something different. It is such a rewarding feeling to have been able to do this for as long as I have been doing it and to know that it's changed me as a podcast host, as a creator, how I carry myself truly with confidence and how I speak about non-sports related things with conviction and with confidence and how I just am, am as a person in conversation and the the work ethic that it requires to do a project like this for three years and I am so grateful to everyone who has listened to the show, who has shared the show, who's done anything to support me over these last three years. And I think about, you know, I worked with Sean Lavery, who was um, my first co-host through the bubble. And then I was kind of solo for a while. And then I was like, oh, like, what if I brought Audie in? And Audie came on for a little while. And then I was like, I like need to talk with Nick. Nick and I are constantly texting each other about the flames and why not? (laughs) Like he should be compensated for these takes too. So he's here now. And like I said, he's going to be joining me in just a little bit, but like, it has just been an amazing three years to watch myself grow as a podcast host and to watch the sea of red just embrace me. There, There's like no toxicity here, which is like a 180 from what I'm used to in Bruins Twitter. And I just thank you all for the support. And I, I can't say it enough, but just do something that excites you. Do something that you never thought you'd do. And you know, apply for a job you don't think you're qualified for because you never know when you might get that call back. And I am forever grateful for everyone in management at Locked On, the great colleagues that I have within the the channel, and just everyone that has come on as a guest. If you told me in 2020 that I would be Um, I would have had a gold medal, Olympian gold medalist, Rebecca Johnston on this podcast or spoken to an Olympic gold medalist in any capacity in a professional way. I would have laughed in your face and been like, what are you talking about? Like, absolutely not. And here I am. And, you know, I hosting this podcast has allowed me to, again, uh, jump into new career endeavors. I was able to you know, 
apply myself to, as the intern PR intern for the Riveters and then jumping to the comms director of the PHF Players Association like and I get on the phone some days and I'm like hey I need a quote from you and I'm speaking to a go another gold medalist or I'm speaking to someone who has had such an impact on sports history and that's what this is about it's about preserving history and just while well, living in it and you know 30 years from now someone's gonna be talking about how uh Gaudreau walked and they they could reference an episode of Locked On Flames or they could reference something you know like it's it's more than just me sitting here and talking to myself in the camera and I just, I can't say thank you enough. And, you know, coming up next, Nick and I are going to get into our wonderful discussions of things that have happened. And it's going to be impossible to rank them and fit everything in. Otherwise, we'd be here for like 503 episodes. So we're going to dive into our, you know, most jaw-dropping and uh, wild Calgary Flames moments. But before we do that, we are going to take a very quick break and talk about our good partner at uh, from AG1 and Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I was tired of dealing with my stomach issues and I enjoyed getting, you know, my vitamins, my multivitamins and my probiotics, but I found it very difficult to remember to take them. So with AG1, it is super simple. It's one scoop of AG1 and a cup of water every morning or whenever you prefer to drink it. Uh, and you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. You're getting more than just what your current re regimen gives you. And it's less than $3 a day. And it's uh, lifestyle friendly, whether you eat paleo, keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And it's important to protect your immune system. And you're you're getting a year's supply of vitamin D, which is great when you um, sign up. And that's what your subscription comes with. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water, one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And thank you all so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you're enjoying this episode wherever you're tuning in from. And here comes Nick. And as promised, Nick is here on this fine Monday. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just tired. I stayed up like everybody else watching the Grammys that ran like a half hour over time like it does every year. Of course, because they can never schedule it properly or the hosts or whoever think that they're funnier than they actually are. Yeah. But 
because today is such a special episode here at Locked On Flames, I figured today would be a good day to kick off the week with like some jaw-dropping moments here that we've covered on Locked On Flames. Do you, what's like the first thing besides this past off season that comes to mind? Uh, the coaching change, because they were, I'm pretty sure, I'm not positive, but I think they were the first team to fire their coach in the 56-game season, and then they brought in Daryl, and anytime you're the first team to fire a coach in season, that generally kind of sets a weird energy around your team, where either the new coach gives you a shot in the arm, and you go on a really good heater, and you make the playoffs anyway, or you take more of a long-term approach, which is kind of what happened with the Flames, where it's more so about doing better the following season as opposed mm-hmm. to the season you hired the new coach in. Because they were they had a decent record. They were 11-11-2 when they fired Jeff Ward. And that's not awful, but it clearly sent a message that they felt the front office and ownership felt they could get more out of that group, and that's, ended up, that's what ended up happening. Yeah, and I think one of the strangest circumstances around the firing was you know obviously it was during the height of the pandemic and brad tree living traveled to ottawa um to watch this back-to-back little series or i guess regular games um and the flames got their doors blown off it was like a six to one seven to one loss the first night and then they came out And then just basically pulled an Uno reverse. And everyone, including myself, was kind of like, wait, if he's not getting fired after that loss, I don't, I think his job might be safe. But then it was like one o'clock in the morning and it was announced that Jeff Ward was done. Daryl Sutter was leaving the farm and the flames were back. It's weird, because that's one of those things where you know it had to have been in the works for a little while, especially because the pandemic was going on, like you had just mentioned, and everybody remembers that, yeah, they hired Daryl on the night, they announced it at like three in the morning, but he didn't get to coach the team for like another week and a half, because he had to go through all the COVID protocols, so the one of the assistant coaches from Underward was coaching the team during that week while Daryl was clearing all the protocols, but yeah, this is something that had to have been in the works for a while. At the time, he was working as a consultant for the Docs after not coaching for a couple seasons after the Kings fired him. Everybody remembers that last season he was in LA. The players locked him out of the locker room and had a players only meeting and wouldn't let him in. So at the time, it was kind of met with a universal. That's kind of weird. He hasn't coached in a couple of years. This is clearly a team that has a lot of talent that needs to be tapped into as opposed to a group that needs to be fundamentally reassessed. But it, it, it's one of those things where you understand why you do it. You you identify mm-hmm. you have really high-end players like a Goudreau, like a Kachuk, that, hey, if we just tweak this a little bit, we think we can be really good right now as opposed to a fundamental reevaluation of who we are as a team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that was kind of just the feeling overall. Like, I just remember comparing that bubble season to, like, the Bad News Bears because it felt like it was just getting worse and worse. And then Sutter came in and kicked off his uh, return with bag skates at practice, and he wasn't messing around. And uh, there was a little bit of a stumble this year but i guess that's normal because not all of us are perfect at our job all the time 
Yeah, I mean, this year you give cre- you give a little bit of leniency because of things we've talked about throughout the course mm-hmm. of the season. When you re when you reorganize your entire roster in the way they did, and you lose two first line players who are two of you know the twenty twenty five best players in the entire sport, it, it, you're gonna have drawbacks. You get into certain habits because okay, we got Johnny, we got Matt, they'll be able to make a play. We'll figure it out. Whereas now it's gonna take a little bit more of a cohesive effort that's oriented around depth which is the Flames' principle this year. They're supposed to have one of the deepest top nines in the entire league, and opting for a little more quality over quantity, you're supposed to be able to outlast other teams, but it took, you know, a solid three and a half, four months for Daryl to find something resembling a top nine configuration he actually liked, and there's an argument. He still doesn't really like the group he has right now and that he probably needs one more forward or something like that before you can really assess if the Flames can be more than just, you know, a team that makes the playoffs, if they can be someone that if they can get hot at the right time, they can make a run. That That's the thing. This team has the capability to be a couple of different types of team, mm-hmm. but we still don't know which one of those boxes it's ultimately going to end up in because there's still decisions that have to be made. Right. And that's, that's the fun of this whole thing is just investing all our emotions and time into something we hope will happen and – we will always live for the hope of it all here at Locked On Flames. And one of the other things that I had completely forgot that happened was Lucic waving his no movement clause just in case Seattle didn't want to take Geo. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, again, uh, something that y- you lean on them. I, everybody talks about they have a no trade, they have a no trade. We've seen ways of getting around that in uh, in certain circumstances. You saw the Lightning do this with Ryan McDonough over the summer mm-hmm. last year where they said, okay, you don't want to go there? We'll trade you here and make it even worse. Uh, so you yeah. can either go here or you can go to one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, that's how – at the end it's 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 complicated because you gave that you got that contract in return for trading james neal who you definitely want to get rid of that contract but at the same time you have to bring in another contract that's less than ideal lucic has been okay this year in terms of the production Mm -hmm. his uh, his play hasn't been outstanding at and by really any measure but for what they're asking him to do and who they're asking him to play with and the intangibles he brings i understand why they haven't just waived him to try and get get him to the ahl and if anyone claims him someone claims him which probably not unless larry brooks suddenly becomes a gm of an nhl team but i yeah oh god yeah, no, I saw that tweet over the weekend and was like, I would happily, happily give you Luch for a draft pick and a bag of pucks, whatever you decide. Yeah. But unfortunately, actually, maybe fortunately, Larry Brooks does not run an, an NHL team. But if he did, he might find himself on FanDuel. And FanDuel is, of course, the latest and greatest sports book for Locked On, and they are the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that is even better because they have so many great features that makes betting on sports fun and easy. It's the Super Bowl weekend. It's media week. What do they call it? Radio Row. Yeah, yeah, Radio Row, yeah. Somewhere nice and sunny that's not cold. Like, it probably is where you're listening right now. But at uh, FanDuel, you can download the app and, of course, get in on the Super Bowl 57 action with the no-sweat first bet. 
you will get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I will probably bet something silly because um, I was actually thinking of doing what song Rihanna is going to open with. Uh, just because that's something short and fun and I don't have to sweat about it all game. But what about you, Nick? Any the ideas fun, yet? The fun ones are more or less just conversation ones, like what color Gatorade. Uh, I'll probably do stuff like Travis Kelsey receptions. I know FanDuel has one where both Kelsey brothers to score a touchdown is like 15 to 1. I might do that just because th this could be Jason Kelsey's last game in the NFL. They might try and find a way to get him into the end zone with the ball. That, the, that's where the fun is for me, is trying to find the trying to find the right types of player props to win. Uh, Travis Kelsey, if the Chiefs are going to be competitive in this game, Travis Kelsey's going to have at least six catches, at least 80, 90 yards, and probably a touchdown. There, there's plenty of opportunity here. Do your research. There's a lot of time between now and Sunday to be prepared for the Super Bowl, and I'm very excited, to be frank. Super Bowl is one of my favorite days of the year. So you heard it here, folks. Bet on the Kelsey brothers and join FanDuel.com today so you can get in on the sports betting action. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your first, your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NHL. <sighs> what on earth? even was like the last year of Calgary Flames hockey. It's been what what's the the corny Riverdale quote the uh, the the highs and lows of high school football. Yeah, that's basically what the Calgary Flames have been. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the entire league last year. They had a bona fide heart trophy candidate on the team. They had a Vesna candidate on the team. They had one of the best defenses in the entire league. They, you know how good the Flames were last year? They had a Gabranson Zadorov pair humming at five on five, like legitimately as a good shutdown defensive third pair. And Gabranson is back to being Eric Gabranson in Columbus. And Zadorov's been good, but he's not, he hasn't been nearly as good as he was last year. So the Flames have really had a all-encompassing range of emotions in the last 18, 18 months or so. Yeah, and I mean, I think if you have been listening to the show for any amount of time, you've seen that uh, kind of transpire and play out. But even if you're just like a casual hockey fan, I think, maybe not casual, but someone who kind of just, you know. Checks in every now and then. Checks in yeah. every once in a while. You're probably like, what the heck is going on in Calgary? What did they do? I can't believe no one wants to stay there. Um I can because it's cold, but that's not a dig on Calgary. That's just a dig on cold weather in general. Um, but some of the highlights from really the past, I guess, three seasons, three, four seasons for me would probably be, I think, number one, aside from the Gaudreau and Kachuk stuff, is probably the Toffoli trade. Yeah. I, I remember just being in my kitchen and just being like, oh, they, 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 they're buying into this. Like, they know that they're good. That's one of those that's one of those philosophical ideas about why you make trades at the deadline. Mm -hmm. Sometimes 
it might not be in your best interest to make a trade at the deadline that's adding to try and make your team better. But at the same time, it's a little bit like condescending slash disrespectful to the group that's playing well if you don't go out and get them some extra help. Like, as a reward for being as good as they were, you do go out and you maybe make a trade you wouldn't normally make if you have a team that's better than you maybe thought they would be. Because that's sending the rest of the group a good message that, hey, if you guys keep working at this, you will get rewarded, whether it be reinforcements whether Mm -hmm. it's an extension those types of things matter when it comes to the morale of a team and adding a player to Foley's character who's been one of their best players this season in kind of what was I wouldn't say a throwaway trade but more of a depth trade last year because he was coming in to fill a top nine role as opposed to a top six role like he has this season yeah and it's just it's been so much fun to watch him uh you know I wouldn't necessarily call it like a resurgence because I think he's always been a consistent hockey player, maybe not offensively and production wise, but I feel like he can always, you can always look for him and he's always doing something. Um, And then of course I have my, my two little children, Mangiapane, Mangiapane and Dylan Dubé. I can't talk today. Sorry, everyone. It's, I haven't had coffee yet, but um, they both made, worlds yeah it was the bubble season so it was that off season dylan dubé wasn't able to make it because he ended up suffering a concussion i think like two games it was the final it was in the final four games that they had to make up against the canucks because the canucks were basically not alive for a solid month and a half so they had to make up games at the end of the season and he unfortunately suffered a concussion and obviously can't or shouldn't fly and play hockey when suffering a concussion. And then our little bread man showed up late because of COVID um, protocols and obviously his season running a little longer and he, he still won MVP. I think that was just kind of like the first flash of goodness from him and course your guy gallant was the coach yeah what like do you think the flames should have hired him because they didn't interview anyone when they decided to bring back jeff ward it's complicated because gallant's the coach you bring in when you think you're ready and i don't know if the flames thought they were ready yet at the time like i i think Daryl was kind of the weeding out process because I think originally it was a two-year thing. So at that point, doing it that way is kind of like a he's going to weed out what's going to work and what's not and who's going to stay long-term and who isn't. Whereas okay. with Gallant, if you bring him in, you're more or less saying, okay, we think we're we're good enough to make the playoffs, and then once we get in, anything can happen. I think part of the reason they made a coaching change was they felt that was a playoff team in that bubble season mm-hmm. and it just wasn't meeting their expectations. But no, I, I think Gallant has a very specific use i'm trying to think of the right word to use he has this very specific role a very specific way of coaching that's only mm-hmm. really going to help an older team a veteran team a younger team with gallant as a coach can kind of go off the tracks a little bit too quickly because younger guys need a little bit more structure they need a little bit more of a negative positive reinforcement versus gallant where it's just kind of a day-to-day thing where the players yeah. kind of police themselves run themselves and if things go bad and he's not going to put his foot down it spirals out of control very quickly so 
it, it's one of those things where I, I don't think a lot of coaches in the NHL make a big difference. There's maybe a handful, maybe seven or eight total in the entire league that make a marginal difference one over the other. You talk about guys like Cassidy, like John Cooper, like legitimately some of the best coaches in the league. Okay, that's one thing. But for the most part, anybody between like nine and 25, as long as you don't have one of the five worst coaches in the league, it doesn't make a huge difference. Who would you say are is part of that group? The, the bottom five? five? Uh, the yeah. top five? Uh, or bottom five, rather. The bottom five, um, David Quinn. Absolutely David Quinn. D- public relations alone, David Quinn. Because <laughs> not even, like, the coaching decisions, which also aren't particularly good. But that... Um, Whatever the hell is going on in Philadelphia, I would say Tortorella. Oh, yeah. I, I would say Tortorella definitely had a usage or a function the same way Gallant does. But that was like seven or eight years ago, like when the Blue Jackets brought him in after Vancouver fired him. That was very much a we need to legitimize this franchise and stabilize ourselves, become a consistent playoff team. And then he cycled out. He 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 ran his course there. Um, As far as other bad coaches. Would um, you put Paul Maurice up there? That's one of those complicated ones where I think he's just very average, very meh. But he also gets dinged for saying stupid things the same way David Quinn does, where he said, yeah, in Winnipeg, the analytics weren't very favorable to our team, so I always disagreed with them. But now that they say our team is underperforming how good we are, I do think we should be using them more, like what he said a couple <laughs> weeks ago about the Panthers. Like, I, I, I understand. At the end of the day, it's about self-preservation and keeping your job. But to some degree, I would like some intellectual honesty from coaches, which is one of my big gripes with most coaches in the NHL, aside from a couple. Like Mike Sullivan. Sullivan, John Cooper, Cassidy, the ones who are good at explaining what they think, the the ones who have above, like, you know, a high school understanding of public speaking, those are the ones that kind of, they, they do a good job of conveying their message where even if I don't necessarily agree with their decision, they're at least capable of explaining it beyond because I said so, like a parent, like what most coaches yeah. do. Well, I think so. So that that's the way it is. Well, that we're adults here. Like if you're talking to your kid, okay. But you know, you're talking to the media who have a job to do that. That doesn't help anybody by just being, you know, curt and short with people. Yeah, that's not going to help us write our stories. So thank you to the coaches and personnel that actually give us things to work with instead of just Bill Belichicking it or just walking out of media availabilities. Do you have any highlights or anything that you just consider super memorable? Oh, going to Flames Devils last year and the Flames covering the over by themselves in the first period and me and my friends having a terrific time. It was four to one after the first period and we needed one more goal and we had a terrific time. My friend had had a couple of adult beverages. He bought he bought an Andre Mangiapane jersey on his phone at the game. Dante, who watched maybe one Flames game a year because when they play the Rangers and he was like, this guy's last name means eat bread. I'm in. And yeah. That was a very fun moment this year going to Flames Devils. That game was very entertaining to be at. The Flames, the one goal that uh, Kachuk scored against the Rangers last year in the regular yes. season between the legs in front of the net in a massacre. I think the final score of that game was like 6-2. to two. The Flames beat the crap out of the Rangers in that game. The, the Flames, and I would also say the first, the, the first game of the Battle of Alberta in the playoffs was about oh, as yeah. memorable as it's going to get for a hockey game, where you get a final score of like seven to six or whatever that whatever it was. That yeah. was insanity. That was one of the most memorable hockey games of the last ten years. 
yeah, that was, I, I really thought that that was just kind of setting the tone for the flames and it was going to be a cakewalk. <laughs> I thought wrong. But, Famous last words. Yeah, seriously. Are you going to MSG tonight? If, if I wasn't doing the podcast later, I probably would have. Mm. But yeah, professional obligations first. Yeah, I guess that has to be a thing. But do you have a score prediction for tonight? Uh, the Rangers usually play terrible after a long break, so I wouldn't expect much. I would expect a very boring game, if I was going to yeah. be completely honest with you. I would expect both of these teams to be getting their sea legs back after extended layoffs. It's going to take a little bit while, a little while to get the gears going, to get the legs moving. So probably an abomination of a first period where not a lot happens, and then yeah. as the game goes along, it resembles something... It becomes something resembling hockey. Um, if if it's close, though, this game is going to turn into one of those, no, we're both playing for overtime things very quickly mm-hmm. in that third period because the Rangers have been very content to do that where in a tie game, they're not going to press to try and get yeah. that extra goal to win in regulation. They'll take the loser point. They're very happy to take the loser point. <laughs> they're, they, I think they're one loser point away from having as many as they did all of last year already, and we're in February. So, yeah, they, they've made a real conscious effort to play a little more conservatively and tighter defensively, but it's also come at the expense of offense. So I would expect a pretty boring game, but you know, that's why it's a prediction. You don't know. Exactly. We'll be watching. Yep, exactly. Well, we'll be tuning in and I heard that they're putting a banner up for us next to Harry's and you know, 500 episodes is the same as 15 sellout consecutive shows at MSG. So they raise one tonight in New York and then one at the Saddle Dome. Just, you know, when we can actually make it out there. But thank you, Nick, for joining me on today's episode and through this wonderful journey of this podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure. Of course. This is so much fun. And anytime you get to talk puck, it's a good time. Talking puck with your friends. That's the entire point of doing this. That is the yeah. entire point of doing this. Absolutely. So I have to run off to work here, but as always, thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. We're free on YouTube as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and Nick Zararis, and we will see you tomorrow.